I recall from your valedictory speech, you noted that um, mistaken identity was a common theme in your political career. Yeah, it was a bit for a while. Um, I often and still sometimes am asked if uh, how things are going in the South, and I know then that I've been confused with Catherine Rich and occasionally Amy Adams. But once I was even uh, mistaken as a Green Party MP, which was mildly distressing. What were you wearing? <laughs> Can't remember. <laughs> Okay, welcome. Today is um, Not Mistaken Identity Day. Today is uh, our podcast on the National Party. And uh, I'm Simon ewing Jarvie. And I'm Heather Roy. So, the National how are we going to structure this? Same as with the other parties? Yes, so with the other parties, we've done firstly just a very brief history. We've looked at where that party sits on the political spectrum, so we'll talk about where National is. Uh, key people within the party. What can you expect from the National Party in the election campaign? And then, of course, if National does win the election, uh, probably with support of others, uh, what will they look like uh, as in terms of forming a government after the 19th of September? Hmm. And uh, if you don't want to listen to us and just want to go and research the National Party, you can go to national.org.nz, where you'll see the, the campaign banner, Strong Team, More Jobs, Better Economy. Yeah, it's quite a strong slogan, really, isn't it? It's it's pretty good. Yep. Yeah, um, and we forgot to talk about the Labour Party one, but that is let's keep moving after the let's do this. So it doesn't really tell you much about what they're promoting. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Well, that was. We're not going to go back and edit that one. No. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so where did the National Party come from? Uh, well, the National Party is a bit younger than the Labour Party. It was formed in 1936 through the amalgamation of um, Conservative and Liberal parties. So the two big ones there, the Conservative Party was called the Reform Party and the Liberal was called the United Party. Um, so New Zealand uh, got its second oldest political party there in 1936. Um first national prime minister was Sidney Holland and he was elected at the 1949 election and so for most of that time the National Party was considered to be a moderate uh, economically liberal party but that couldn't be said of the 1975 to 1984 party under Rob Muldoon <laughs> yeah. and then when we moved to the change from first past the post to MMP in 1996, the National Party became our first government under our new political system. On the podcast we did about the political spectrum, if you've heard that one, you would have noted that we noted that the um, National Party is fundamentally a conservative party, wasn't always, but now, uh, mostly a conservative party, and it's also on the um, the free market end of the economic scale, so yeah. around the centre. But that's right; it's still a centrist party, really, because it's got to be a broad church. Yeah, mm. indeed, and and they reflected they reflect that in the fact they've got a whole lot of sub tribes like the Blue Libs and the Blue Greens and all that sort of thing, as, as do Labour and and yeah. um, the Green Party and so on. So, Heather, who's some of the key people in the... There's been a few key there's people. There's been a few changes recently, but the, the current ones are Judith Collins, of course, who um, is really front-footing an awful lot of stuff at the moment, and her deputy, Jerry Brownlee. Um, Paul Goldsmith is number three on their list, and he is uh, clearly leading the charge on economic policy for them. Mm -hmm. uh, he's been quite vocal in a number of areas. Um, and the people who have... Uh, under Judith Collins' leadership have moved up into the top ten, uh, Shane Retty, 
who has taken the health portfolio, and Chris Bishop, one of their younger MPs, has also been promoted into the top ten. If you look at the party list, the first new person, someone coming in from outside Parliament, is number 29, and that is Dale Stevens, who's standing in the Christchurch Central electorate. What are they offering National Party in this election? If you have a look at the National Party website, national.org.nz, you will see under the policy section they've got five key areas that policies are being built under. I have to say that policy for National is being rolled out uh, more slowly than for the smaller parties. But I would comment that it's a bit harder for the big opposition party uh, because they do tend to worry about policy appropriation by the government. And a really good example of that recently was the National Party came out very strongly saying that they believed people should have to pay for their quarantine accommodation. Uh, and before you know it, the Labour Party had put that into mm, place. With, so with a bit, bit, bit of policy theft <laughs> there. Mm. Yep, and that is a dilemma. Yep. And the other dilemma uh, for all the parties, of course, as we talked about earlier in earlier podcasts, is the early voting. That's um, right. So if we were on the, the track, the calendar track to 19 September, you've got to have enough out by 5 September, enough policy out for when early when, voting when starts. When people start voting. But you've still got to have some, some cool stuff to roll mm. out in the uh, next couple of weeks. That's right. On the website, they've got these five key policy areas. The first one is responsible economic management. Uh, and so there's a few initiatives that have been um, touted already there. But one that sort of intrigued me was the business start policy. And that's around key, the ability of people to use their KiwiSaver to start a business up to $20,000. Now that's not everyone though. It's, I think you've got to be unemployed or made redundant, don't you, to, yes. to get into that scheme. But it, I think that's it's a good right. idea. Look, it's their money. Yep. And... Um, why not use some if you can use money to get get into your first house why not into your first business yeah that's right so good to see some of those initiatives coming through and um, you the website actually says keep a watch out for further policies being announced in this area yeah what else have they got uh, delivering infrastructure so this is probably their big thing at the moment mm. have you noticed they seem to be rolling down through the country yeah um, and it's it's been criticised in some quarters um, and I can understand why they're doing it because new leader whole lot of turmoil behind her wants to engage the public with something positive every single area in the country has got a road or a bridge that they want done so she's done a swing around the country something for everyone big on infrastructure and then we can expect more mm. policy to roll out after that's my pick that's right i think it's actually relatively clever policy rollout um how is it right. different to the provincial growth fund it's not not yeah. at all in fact i think it's probably um something that uh, appeals to the masses much more than the provincial yeah. uh, growth fund. So pe people in glass houses or yep, glass right. growth funds. Yep. Mm. Uh, the next, the third area is reskilling and retraining our workforce. Teacher registration fees have been an issue. They, 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 um, they got doubled, was it, recently? And That's then right. they backtracked on that. And I think they're basically saying, look, if you want to keep people in the profession, why would you charge them? an amount of money just to keep your registration current. Yeah, that's right. International education is a big part of this too, isn't it? It is, yes. And I think that they, to me, they're making good sense on this. I think that uh, the tertiary institutions are really suffering as a result of international students not being allowed across the border. There's no reason at all why they shouldn't come back if they're prepared to pay for their quarantine time and pay for the education that they're getting. So, um, Well, the I events we'll of the last few days have shown that anyone that, can spread the disease. Well, the 14-day quarantine is probably a much safer way to be than, than mm. community spread. Mm. Yeah. Um, the fourth area is a greener, smarter future. Uh, not too much announced in this space yet. 
but they're clearly appealing to that blue-green section yep. in the National Party. I think there's something about conservation, wasn't there? There is a conservation policy there, but not much more. Mm -hmm. And then the final area is building stronger communities. And again, I would, I think there's a bit of work to be done there. There is a health policy that really just talks about COVID. And some um, cancer stuff. And some cancer stuff. And I think that um, this is one area where I do feel the National Party is a bit weak. I don't think they have a plan for our, our health system, which is really burgeoning um, uh, in all sorts of areas. Certainly some gaps in different therapeutic areas, um, but I think that we've almost reached a point where the health system needs proper reform rather than tinkering around the edges. Uh, the stuff that's come out of the Heather Simpson report, is that the sort of stuff that's going to do it? I think that that report highlights a whole lot of issues, but it doesn't provide many solutions. Yeah, and, and we're going to do a whole episode on health on anyway, health, I guess. Yeah. So. That's right. Okay. If National manages to get themselves into government after the election, what can we expect? Uh, well, I think in terms of what the government might look like, the National Party clearly isn't going to get there on, on its own. Uh, the ACT Party is doing quite well. They often do when the National Party is looking a bit weaker. Uh, and I know that they would dearly love to have just that as the government, National and ACT Coalition. Mm. Um, certainly Judith Collins has already s encouraged Epsom voters to vote for David Seymour, the ACT Party leader, and she's done a Winston to Winston. She's held up the sign saying no to him. Yeah. So they don't want a coalition with New Zealand first. Interesting. I mean, in 2008, when, when you were in government, the Māori Party was also part of that government. Mm. Uh, on the same basis that ACT was with National, uh, Competence and Supply, mm -hmm. and Ministers Outside Cabinet, right. and that actually worked really well, and it was quite smart from the point of view of National's manoeuvre, because if they were being held to ransom by one party, they could get the five votes they needed to pass things from the other. So there was a And it was particularly well managed by John Key. Hmm. Yeah. And, it, and I guess I was a bit disappointed to see John Tomaheri uh, come out and say that he, he, wouldn't, he didn't want to work with National, he could work with Labour. Uh, given how much they got during that, that period of time, wins for, for Māori. Mm. Um, anything could change. They could sit on the crossbench, I guess. Um, but I am confident, I don't know why I'm confident, I've just got a sort of feeling in my craw that um, the Māori Party are going to win some seats, mm. one or two. Yeah, I think they, they're certainly looking strong in two of their, the Māori seats at the moment. Um, yes, John Tamahiri has said that he wouldn't work with the national government. Mm. Um, whether that might change after an election, if there are enough overtures and reasons there. Um, and I'm not sure why you would come out and say that as the Maori Party, because it's my belief that the Labour Party has, and still does, really take the Maori vote for granted. Yeah, well we're going to do a whole episode mm. on the Maori Party so we can right. explore that in a bit more detail. So let's see National and Act for instance, if they yeah. get a government together, what do you think will happen? Oh, I think that they have both already said that they want to tackle debt much more quickly than Labour has said they will. They'll want to get that tidied away as best they can. It's going to be a hard ask because um, we've never borrowed this much money as a country before mm. and there's quite a legacy potentially there for our children and our grandchildren. So I think that they will come out under a very strong uh, economic management banner. Yeah, okay. Mm. And they will spend money on things like infrastructure. Are the two parties, if you look at National and Act in one, one view, are they looking like a government in waiting? Yes, I think they are. They're probably 
if, if you had to look at both sides, you'd think Labour and the Greens can clearly work together, but I think National and ACT are looking at the moment much more like a government in waiting. You wouldn't have said that a few weeks or months ago, would you? No, no. National was a shambles and, that, and yep. ACT was one, part, one MP. And I think whether you love her or hate her, Judith Collins has actually brought some unity there. Hmm. Mm. Right, well I think that's probably enough for us today. If you'd like to send in questions for future podcasts, go to the contacts page on our website, talkpoint.co.nz. That's T-O-R-Q-U-E. We're also on social media, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, and that's it. Look forward to hearing from you. I'm Simon Ewing-Jarvie. And I'm Heather Roy. We'll talk to you soon.